Welcome everybody uh, to another episode of Kingdom Family Talks. It's great to be with you and uh, my name is Scott Wilson. I have the privilege of being part of the team here at Global Mission Awareness and today I'm joined by Leif Hetland. Leif, it's great to be with you again. Yeah, it's good to be here. Good to be back home. (laughs) Yeah, we're home here in Atlanta in our wonderful offices and uh, just excited to be able to take a little bit of a breather. Uh, We're actually heading to Mozambique uh, tomorrow night. And uh, we've got an amazing team joining us from around the nations. I think we've got about four or five different nations represented. And, and uh, we're going to spend an amazing, uh, amazing week with uh, Iris Ministries <laughs> and hopefully even record the next uh, episode of, of, of this podcast with Heidi Baker herself in Mozambique. So that's going to be really exciting. Uh, Leif, this is your first time back in how many years to Mozambique? It's been eight years eight since years. last time I was there. Wow. And I, and I went there actually for regularly. I, I figure out I went there for about 12 years on a regular basis. So wow. it's a strange feeling not to be back. Yeah. And especially to see the explosion, what God has done just even in the last eight years since I was there. Yeah. I mean, I was even just talking to someone on the phone an hour ago and found out that they actually uh, have have been to Harvest School. They were actually in the third Harvest School and, uh, and their wife was in the first harvest school, which is amazing. I mean, I've only ever met one person that was in the first harvest school. And so it's, uh, it's an incredible legacy that Heidi and Roland and Iris Ministries have, have been building and um, really just exposing uh, generations to the heart of missions and the heart of nations. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited to be back. It's seven years since I've been back and uh, or six and a half years. So we're going to have a great time. But uh, we, we just wanted to, to take the opportunity today. Uh, normally, we have a guest on the podcast with us. And uh, we wanted to take the time uh, today just to connect because, Leif, there's some things that are burning in you in this season. Um, and you've just returned from Pakistan, which is obviously probably our primary missional focus here at GMA. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I will agree. Uh, I think that it is more a... Uh a assignment for me was the least, the last, and the lost. Mm-hmm. I think my assignment when Randy Clark prayed for me on June 6, 1995, and I received an impartation, it was not a nation, but discipling nations. And it was going to be 100 nations in our generation that we were going to see a kingdom culture that was going to be developed. I didn't understand it at the time. But then I knew that there were some prototype nations when people will be able to look at those nations, they will see who God is. And as a result of seeing what God was doing in that nation and the goodness and the kindness, it will become a prototype where the other nations will come. So we have some specific nations that we have been invested in and focused. And somehow the nation I asked for at the time period was because Psalm 2.8 says, Ask of me and I will give you the nations Mm -hmm. in the uttermost part of the world, Mm -hmm. your possession. And I still remember when I, Psalm 2-7 is is kind of a link together when the father declared to the son, today I begotten you. Now ask of me, son, and I will give you the nations. Mm -hmm. And so I asked Papa God, do you see this nation of Pakistan? I ask that this nation, that this nation is going to experiencing its destiny. And I ask that if you can use me uh, as your son, as your beloved son, to be able to receive this nation so that this nation, everybody can see how good you, how good you are, Papa, and how loved they are. So that became uh, 21 years in the journey in that nation. It's, I think it's 90 nations I've been to. We just passed the 90 mark. Wow. So it's just been out of 90 nations, 
and Pakistan has a special place. I'm curious. I just want to interject there. I mean, I know I've heard that story before of you asking for the nation of Pakistan and that particular scripture. But what prompted you to ask for Pakistan? Was there was that based out of some research that you'd done connected to the, the darkest places in the planet? Or was it a particular revelation? Or And I think it was a combination of several things because I had been going to Pakistan and at the time I would probably say I'd been to about 50 nations out of the world okay. by the time when I asked. So it was after my baptism of love mm-hmm. where I just felt at that time period there was so much darkness it was so hard it was and i knew it was going to be the tipping point this is before september 11 where of mm-hmm. course we saw strategically sure. what's happened in afghanistan and pakistan i just knew uh, as i started to do a lot of research that i did in the 90s in regard to what was taking place i i just New Pakistan is very strategic and what is happening on a global level. Uh, so from the natural perspective, that was one of the first thing. But then when I had the baptism of love, it was suddenly I started to feel the love of the Father. I didn't see it as a duty, but I saw it as a delight. I did no longer see it as a problem, but as a promise. Mm-hmm. So after I've received the baptism of love, I actually fell in love with a nation that I before felt like, ooh, this is this is hard, this is difficult, this, this is bad, this is... I, I got a totally different perspective. Yeah. So it came out of the baptism <clears throat> of love that again in the next moment, now I'm a son and I'm your son. And then through a relationship with Papa. So it was after 2000, it took over five years that I had been there before I eventually came in and said, Papa, I just wanted to receive this nation. Wow. And and that became, a, a, I, I, I fell in love with a nation. Mm. When I'm there now, I'm becoming alive. I have had other nations also since, but that mm. became, uh, you can say, uh, where I knew on the father's heart, son, I mean, just ask of me. It came from him, so it was not like, God, let me look at the map, which one? Yeah. It started with me having a desire in my heart. And then when the father then come and then as a son and saying, Father, <laughs> here I am as your son. What is done on your heart? Mm. And when Pakistan, and when I saw how much he loved Pakistan, I said, Father, let me love that nation the way that you love that nation. Mm. And I ask of you, may I receive that nation? May I have favor in that nation? Mm. May that nation, wow, be able to experience how good you are and how loved they are. Mm. So that was coming out of, a, I think the initiative was definitely came from God. And it goes through God and it goes back to God yeah. when everything is said and gone. And we're definitely seeing, uh, you know, I mean, that was what, 20, 20 plus years ago that you you prayed that prayer and, and asked for that nation. And I think the specifics of what you were just saying there in terms of some of the, may I have favor in that nation. I mean, you've just come back uh, from an incredible trip where, I mean, some of the stories, and we'll talk about some of these now, but, you know, we're seeing the fruit of, it's almost like that prayer is really, it's very tangible that that prayer has been answered. Yeah, my, my first trip in was about 21 years ago, almost 22, and then mm-hmm. about 17 years ago, that uh, encounter of coming from a receiving instead of achieving, mm-hmm. uh, coming from a problem to a promise, that paradigm shift, yeah. the new glasses came, and yes, and the fruit became very, very differently because, again, you're coming from a place of rest, you're coming from a place of, the father said it's already yours you just need to learn how to receive it yeah. so now you're going to treasure hunt with papa god and you see treasure everywhere you go and that was part of now after all these years then when you've been going in because there's been uh, i was trying to count how many trips but i think it was like 29 trips that i've been taking and wow. been going in so 29 different times of so many different assignments mm. and then going in there and 
learning to love without any hook, without any agenda, learning to capturing the Father's heart, and then building relationship, building trust, and then eventually even to coming there from a place where you, including on this trip, went in there and you're saying, uh, Papa, here I am, your favorite one. Here I am, your son, Leif. Uh, what is it that you want to do? Because this is your nation. This is your assignment. I'm just here with you. I'm here for you. I'm here on a journey. And I just want to see what you see. I just want to say what you say. And then he started to take me on a journey to a lot of different places. And it's always, a, a, there's some things that is planned because you know it before you leave. And then you're coming in where even some of the things that he said, uh, you have to stop up because faith comes from hearing, not having heard. Hmm. It's active. So in a sense of the, said, well, sometimes he said, here's what I would like you to do. And by being obedient to what he said, you become disobedient. Hmm. Wow. He said, this is why, but it was not the whole purpose. It was not. So it's like what Abram saying, Abram, do you see this Isaac here? I want you to sacrifice. I want you to, but he would have killed his Isaac if he was obedient, if he didn't continue to listen. Hmm. Because faith comes from hearing, not having heard. So I'm learning the lessons between, of, I know here's what God said before I went in there. But then it was also in one moment, I just read a scripture verse earlier today, where even God had opened up this place for Paul to going in. And, and the door was open for Paul to going in. But then Paul stopped and there was an area where he says, I, I didn't have peace because Titus is not here with me. So there's also saying, hey, you have an opportunity to do this, but but who is the ones that you need to do this with for that assignment to be completed? So it is not about me, it is about us, it is about a family, it is about a team. So there's a lot of things there in regard to wisdom that we are learning in this season. But this trip was, it was probably, without out of a doubt, it was very significant in so many different areas because there were so many first time first time experiences with God first time experiences of things that things that I would never even have dreamed or thought of and again I think that things including people that was with me that has gone on trips before uh, some four or five years ago other ones a year ago to see that we're going into regions and area where you literally know not in the natural but in the spiritual but the temperature were different when you're walking into a mosque or you're walking into a home with some other Muslim leadership and you can literally see that the atmosphere has changed in regard to honor and love and even in the way that people have been received. They were in shock even just to be able to recognize this is not the same place that we were four years ago and I'm treated totally different. What has happened since? What is it? I mean, I... I, I... I understand that that sort of language a little bit because I'm around you quite quite often. But for, for people that are listening that maybe have that don't have a contextualization for what it's like to go into this place. I mean, you know, if you've never been on an airplane, you've never been out of the country, you've never been in a different culture other than maybe seeing someone of a different faith walking through the supermarket or that kind of thing. What 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 is a practical, tangible point where you can see a shift in the level of honor or the temperature changing to use that terminology i can maybe use one example just just because it's just very fresh a year ago i was introduced to a very well-known actually i got a text from him yesterday but recognized imam leader who okay. has a mosque he invited a group of people bought sunnah shia muslim together and when we were sitting around and we started to get to know each other and 
but if you were coming in there and you would feel that atmosphere, you would not have felt comfortable. It would be the same thing if you're watching on television and you have maybe seen some of the settings. Mm -hmm. This can be a very intimidating setting. Sure. So we're talking about we're going into this deep cellar underneath the mosque and we're there sitting around this table around all those people. Uh, and over a period of time when we were together during a couple of hours, we start to see again that you just connect with each one of them. Uh, several of them, uh, actually there was about 27 people in that room that had a hostility towards me. That's like, who is this guy? Why is he here? Why are we inviting him to be part? You could sense that. And then this time when we're going in here, I'm walking into the same room, the same group of people that a year ago would have had a very strong heart of hostility, even in the way they see me or see a Christian or see what agenda. Now they're hugging me, they embrace me, doing things that you don't even do it culturally speaking. And they're honoring me and I'm treating at the family table. You get a main seat at the table and then suddenly they've opened up and people are driving from all over the country, six, seven hours. They've invited other influential Muslim leaders to come and to sit down and meet with wow. the ambassador of love that is their friend. So there was such a tangible, that's just one place, but it's such a tangible difference in regard to the people. I mean, that's just the ones that was with me last year and seen now walking into that. It is like a totally different world. Wow. And the best way I could describe it, if you walked into a place that you saw was trash and project and because I have seen that and then the next moment you're coming in here and there's no longer poverty there's no longer fear there's no longer and you see all these beautiful new houses and new streets and everything else. I mean I'm talking about there's a paradigm shift in regard to the spirit realm that suddenly we are coming in and it is like you're coming into a family there would be I, I would say I've been honored greater there than I've been honoring any conferences and the people with me will be able to say that I've been in America or in Europe or anywhere, including our own family conferences that we do. So suddenly you're going from a place where to some degree you are the lowest of the low to suddenly the next moment in the degree you're tre treating like the Billy Graham of the evangelical world would be here if he came into a church. That's the way they treat and honor me. And it's just an overwhelming experience. I get tears just thinking about it. What do you, what do you, I mean, if you you at the moment you're you're visiting Pakistan once a year, you know, and you're doing an annual trip over there, and I know that you obviously keep in touch with a lot of these people regularly. I mean, weekly and every other week, you're getting a text message from these people, or there's an email. You're in you're in constant communication with these people, so you're maintaining relationship. But I mean, it's very difficult to uh, significantly impact someone or relationship without physical presence. Sometimes, I mean, how? What do you think is the key to, I mean, even the difference between this year and last year, uh, like with only being able to be there in, in the physical once a year, what is the momentum, what is building momentum, if you like, in terms of that shift? I think there's a combination of several different things. One of them is Dr. Marcus Fida, who is our coordinator, and, uh, and he is a Pakistani, he lives there. So we have a center there, we have a whole movement, we already have a whole family in place. So it's not like, okay, I'm just going there and visit. On a regular basis, when uh, one of the mosques is having a special celebration, like right now, Ramadan has just started, or even when we have a Christmas celebration, I hope I have a chance this year, maybe perhaps to stop by on Christmas. When we have a Christmas celebration, what I will do through Marcus Fida, we invite all these Muslim imam and Muslim leaders to come and celebrate the birth of Jesus. So 
I'm just giving that. Or there can be mm. somebody's birthday. We will go there with flowers. Somebody is dying, or there's a terrorist attack that is going on, or the Shia Muslim mosque is being bombed, or no matter what is going on. So we're keeping up on a daily basis of the temperature of what's happening in a nation, and then the different relationship that you're in. You continue to feel and you continue to sense and lean your hearts towards them. First, it is from a heart of love. A heart of love towards them where you start to think it is the affection then what we do is whatsapp as some of them we do not even speak the language but we have a communication going a heart language and it is amazing even with the time differences that i can lay here with tears in my eyes or last night go for a walk and start thinking about some of them and then the next moment this top muslim imam will start to text you and say i don't know what it is but i'm just thinking about you or i was just in the mosque but it felt like you were there in the mosque or somebody else I mean, even when I'm going into the university and some of these professors, one of the professors, I just talked to him, who's one of the most influential clergy. He said, wow, you gave me the book Seeing Through Heaven's Eyes. And when I read it, I wouldn't stop crying. I couldn't even stop. And for 24 hours, I read through the whole book. I didn't stop reading through it. But I don't cry, he said. But I have not stopped crying. And something happened. Thank you. Or somebody wow. else, I said, in 2010, uh, I, I came to serve you. A Muslim it was outside my room and then you just open up to him. you were very generous and very kind and then you had this word for me and then you prayed for me and I got healed and then you let me come and bring my family and then they got healed and that was it and then the shoes guy that was shining my shoes and then he came up with a story and and then when we sat the first day we had on this trip and the people that were part of our team know some of them but you have totally different streams and they are top Muslim leaders in their stream there will be like the denominational leaders in our groups but in a, in a four different streams so if we're using a christian sense it would be like if you bring a totally charismatic river guy together with a cessationist evangelical and you have a word of faith guy and then you will have a methodist or a lutheran around the same table the top leaders of these that that's kind of the setting and our team is there with some of their key people and we're sitting there for dinner these people would never be around each other. But one of the reasons here, all of them are sitting around and are with me is because each one of them have a relationship with me. And because I build relationship with them, now we are sitting there together. And then they start to describe each one of them, literally, and I was blown away. I'm sitting there at the table, how these different streams all described somehow, if that was five years ago, or eight years ago, different encounters that had that that impact I had on their life. I didn't know that more than just the official that you go there and you honor them. And there's a lot of things, of course, behind the scenes that I will not even talk about public, mm. but it is just how love looks like, how love is being demonstrated, how love is being lived out, how love is being tested, and also especially honor. This is a honor code. And until we understand the language of honor and how honor looks like, until we are seeing that and knowing how to be a son to pharaohs, there's several of those things that is hard for people to understand in regard to when you're coming into somebody's home and how you're honoring people in their home and how the whole favor of God and the peace of God changes that home when you walk in, when you know who you are, what you represent, but you also love the people that you're going there visiting. So there's a combination of things that I do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, but also I have a phenomenal group of team that continue also over there. If I know somebody is hurting or something is going on, situations going on, even if I cannot, I contact here what I can over communication and phone. 
but there's also things that I have done in regard to that will blow some people's paradigm in regard to but it's just the way that love operates because as I said when they are hurting I'm hurting and I'm treating that this is my family I'm treating them there's absolutely no different when one of their sons in a hospital is in a coma it will be no longer any different than if my son and I've lived this way together with them and they know it they recognize this and they have seen it and that has over the years now been demonstrated where certainly word has become flesh and that's what is happening is pretty much the it's it's no longer talking about love they call me the ambassador of love and their friends call me the ambassador of love if you walk with me into a room with all these imams and everything else including government official to say today we're going to listen to the ambassador of love before i didn't have a voice but now we have the chief honorary guest and everybody around that table they watch how everybody else is watching and then because of the honor they have for these people the way they honor me they are listening and suddenly now I have a platform I have favor and then how do you steward that favor in that setting and how do you add value to these people and then how do I represent a God that looks like Jesus and that Jesus loved through me in such a way that the blind eyes can see that love and the deaf ears can hear it that's incredible it's uh, I mean it's quite overwhelming to be honest uh, just in in a sense of uh, I suppose the multifaceted approach, but a lot of that really comes from the way that you view these people. A lot of it comes from your worldview, and I think that's something I'd love to kind of talk to, talk about that a little bit because I think one of these one of the biggest things for me is uh, in the face of adversity, in the face of say some of the um, the mass view of the world today and what we're seeing in the media and the current political climate, all those different factors, it's very easy to get caught up in people's opinions or people's views of certain situations, different faiths, all of those sorts of factors. And one of the things you're constantly talking about is what what sort of lenses are you viewing the world through and what is your worldview? And I think that it'd be quite good to unpack that a little bit for, for people listening in a sense that I suppose it gives the framework for how you can be a light in these places, how you can, as you say, you, you see these people as your family and you treat them the way that you would treat any of us here at home as your family or whether that be overseas. And, and, and a lot of that is solidified in not just identity and intimacy with the Father, but it, it is coming from you're looking through a set of lenses that gives you, uh, I suppose, perspective on you know you use these phrases of promise not problem uh, etc and and i think that it's it's all rooted in that world view um do you want to maybe just unpack that a little bit and in and and give context to what are you even talking about when you say you know the war on world view and and what does a world view look like through through the eyes of jesus yeah, the first of all when we're talking about the world view the old world the old war word excuse me that we used to use was a paradigm but yeah. to put it in another simple uh, glasses how what what glasses do you have when i went to do my eye test for many many years i had 2020 vision and i was i, I mean i could look at everything from a 100 percent clear perspective but i didn't realize over a period of time that something would happen to my eyes and now when i have a book i'm holding a little bit further and further apart <laughs> mainly because something is changing with my eyes and so every single person in this world 
we are actually we're coming into this world with certain glasses the way we see things and perceive things you do not actually see the world the way it is you see the world the way you are and there's many different things that is part of making up of a worldview so if you are born in Norway where I am where I was born the way that I was raised around my family and I came from a Christian family uh, the way that they raised me the education and the school system that I was part of the culture that I was part of even in a sense of the government and there we have a kind of a combination of we taking care of each other as a country the way that I was seeing everything all of these things is part of molding and forming you to the way that you see things the way I watch my mom and dad interact with each other to see our siblings and etc so all I'm trying to say is that we all have glasses on the problem is like I've said many times before deception is very deceiving mm-hmm. the problem is that each one of us we think that we have a 2020 vision because that's all that we know how to see mm-hmm. so when i'm looking at something i think that this is what it is and it took me quite a few years because before i even was aware that i had glasses on because i thought that everybody sees the wall the way i did and one of my first time like in mozambique i remember very clearly there was a traffic accident that was going on in mozambique mm-hmm. for also automatically i have a scientific worldview my thing would have been is Here's what was taking place. That Land Rover was driving a little bit too fast, coming around the corner. That kid was not seeing. And I would describe everything. Why? Because I have a scientific. It is what you can see, touch, and prove that it's reality. Well, the African, when I met with him, with spirit, did you offend? Wow. Oh, do you have a totally different worldview? They have different glasses. How you see the world. And how do we know then that mine is correct and theirs is wrong in regard to, say, if you have a naturalistic worldview what if you have a polytheistic worldview or if you have a theistic meaning theistic we believe that there is one god like three religion does islam christianity and judaism but then it also it's not enough just okay if we all have this same god or perhaps people would say well the god of the jews or the god of the christian or the god of the muslim are three different or that's also according to what worldview you have but say, even if we are agreeing that, okay, there is a God and we agree we're God, while if you have a polytheistic like the Hindus, there's all these different gods. How you view that then, and you have a reincarnation, how you're going to come back in the next life, and then whatever the caste order, how I live my life, how I treat you, how, why you have all these cows and people starving to death, why you have a caste order of the 300 and some million Dalatis, they don't have food, or they're nobody, they call you untouchable. All of that is affected by the worldview. But if you're not aware of that, then you do not know how to change the world. And then it's the same as also with Islam, because then we Christian are not aware that the news and all of those are mediums, media, mediums, or television, tell, tell something, television. If we're not aware that whatever channel you turn that on, you have different biases. It is coming from a worldview. And with a worldview, it's connected to belief system. And those belief systems also have a spirit that is attached to it. And that influences. So I can listen to some of those things and think this is what I'm hearing. And this is how the world is looking like. So then to simplify that in regard to say Islam or Pakistan or some of the things that is going on in the Middle East. Or reading the Al-Quran. So for me... My view towards the Muslims or the way I used to believe was that when I was the Al-Quran have some verses here that gives a justice for Muslims to do some of these radical things. And they're using those verses. Well, if that was my worldview at that time period, the way I'm seeing Muslims at that moment, 
Well, okay, let me just reverse that. Looking at the Bible, I find four times more scripture verses of a God that will, you kill everybody, the children and the babies, and you and we will say, well, that's a different covenant, and etc. Oh No, it's a worldview if you believe in the scripture, the inerrancy and infallibility. And if you're looking at the whole Bible and saying that it's all inspired by God, God is the same yesterday and today and forever, and you look, so we can use the same argument we're using towards them, they're using towards us, as an etc. So how do we then know? What if in the Al-Quran, if you have read the Al-Quran, and you find that there are 16 times more that Allah is referred to as compassionate, mercy, love, you're looking at that element. What if that is your worldview? And if Muslim sees that, guess how they're going to see themselves? Guess how they're going to see people? Guess how they're going to see the future? Ah. So now that small little percentage of the radicals, this group here now can influence, and that's a good way to stop terrorism. What about another things in regard to a terrorist? And I just heard about a terrorist the other day, radical terrorist who has been changed. The first thing they do with terrorists is to take away beauty. They strip away beauty if it is beautiful music, beautiful clothing, beautiful color, beautiful things. Why? Because God makes things beautiful. But then suddenly in the next is connected to the glasses and your world view. So could it be that beauty can save the world? But if my view is God is good, God is a God of love, now suddenly love gives. I have a responsibility for this planet. When I wake up in this morning, the way I treat everything, my workplace, my wife, everything else is connected to my worldview. How I see God, how I see myself, how I see the world, and how I see the future. So we all have glasses on. We just need to be aware of the glasses. I've had to change my glasses. That's what you are hearing so clearly my worldview. I've changed my glasses, how I see Pakistan, how I see these people. But when I change my glasses, something happened with their glasses in the way that we're seeing me too. And now suddenly we're sitting at the table, but we're not watering it down to the lowest level and then try to do an interfaith. But suddenly now in the next moment where I am as clear a representative of Jesus, where I want to look like Jesus. And by the way, I believe that Jesus had 20-20 vision. I believe Jesus had a proper worldview mm. and the way that he was seeing things that was the way that you and I and any view that we have of reality that doesn't look like Jesus, it is time for us to put question mark on those glasses. I think one of the things that, that I'm pulling out of that is that, uh, and I know this to a fact, but just to highlight it is that you, you are a phenomenal student. You are constantly studying people, cultures, theology, doctrine, but also not necessarily with a, a viewpoint to gain knowledge, but more to give contextualization and to understand, to, I suppose, shape that worldview and to, to improve your perspective. What are some of the things that you have been focusing on that are helping, particularly in this season, I think, when you're, you're needing to be sharper and more focused, but what are some of the things that you you value in terms of studying so that you do have an appreciation and a tolerance yeah i think that what i what i would like to have a uh, as a big picture and that is to be able to see things the way that god sees things that's kind of a, a heart that is there so because even my lenses i can read a bible from genesis to revelation and still get knowledge but if you have more knowledge than experience it just makes you more religious mm -hmm. yeah. so in regard to it's not knowledge but it's more wisdom but if we do not have the proper picture in on how we're looking at that, if that is 
ethics, if that's philosophy, if that's psychology, mm-hmm. if that is science, if that is everything. As I say, that's why it's so important with worldview. And to simplify mind, and you either have coming from a root of fear or root of love. That's also neuroscience. Mm-hmm. So when I'm studying neuroscience, you either have love glasses in the way you see things. And for me, when when because that's kind of the essence of how I see it, I choose when I'm looking around, uh, it, it doesn't matter how dark it is, I can find a light. I went out for a good walk yesterday. <laughs> My body was a little bit full of pain, soreness and other things. And for eight miles, for a couple of hours, I can tell you about 200 beautiful things that I saw all over. It had just been raining and everything else because that's what I was looking for. So I've never seen, I mean, when I'm seeing an individual, it doesn't matter how much darkness or struggle or pain or fallenness or even their religious, like I had one person just recently, less than two weeks ago, that the way that he was looking at me, it was like, I would love to cut your head off. I mean, it was just that feel to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about this person was, this guy was very, very much radical, aggressive. But the way I see him, that is my choice in my glasses because I'm seeing him from heaven's view. I'm seeing him with the eyes of love. I'm seeing, I don't see the terrorist Saul. I see the apostle Paul in him. And when my eye glasses changes, my belief system changes. And now my behavior flows from that. The way I start to behave him and treat him that flows from that place. So in a sense of a, I think that what I'm is more aware of people. What can I learn from every single one? When I'm sitting there with a Muslim, what are the, and later on we're going to talk about that in other programs, but what are the 10 lessons that I've learned from Muslims? What is it I've learned from the Sikh? Mm. What is it I've learned from the Hindus? What is it that I learned from the Buddhists? I was just on Sunday with a group of Buddhists and sitting around. What is it that I can learn from them? Every nationality. I'm a student of not coming in and saying, I'm right and you are wrong. I, am, I have a clear plumb line for what I believe, so you don't need to be afraid that I'm not rooted and grounded in love. And I can tell you very clearly what my belief system is. But that does not mean, again, as I'm saying, that with my lenses that I have on, I continue to adjust those lenses. And I constantly have to look up and to be able to see the eyes of the Father, to see the eyes of love, for me to be able to see myself in a proper way. And then when I look at people, I have this into it's not us against them philosophy because if you have that then you will say in a sense of i am right and you are wrong and you're not learning the lessons that you can learn as a life lessons and it does not open up for a door also for the lessons what are the 10 things that they have learned from you that should be the next question just by being around you when they squeezed you what was in you what came out was that the fruit of the spirit? Mm. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Is that what's coming out of our life when we get squeezed in that situation? And if not, what are some of those things that is not rooted and grounded in love? Why is it? And so I continue to be a student of life. When that environment was changed, that one wasn't. In that moment, I was sure I could do it. And in one moment, I had so much confidence. But less than 24 hours afterwards, I couldn't do anything. Mm. I, I, I lost totally my confidence. So in one moment you have the excitement, I get to speak in the largest mosque and everything else. And then in the next moment, I don't know one word to say. But that's also when you're realizing when to be a lamb and when to be a lion. And that's the humility and vulnerability on one side. Without him, I can't do nothing. I mean, the wisdom is his wisdom. The knowledge, if you don't have his knowledge, and God knows it all, 
So you have to think about things the way he thinks about. So at the moment, because that's when pride comes in, you're learning a lot of different things and you think the next moment you know it and you think you're qualified. That's also how you become disqualified. Then it is in the next moment of recognizing without the Holy Spirit, without him, without his wisdom, without his love, his joy, his, I do not have anything to add value to people. So I think that's the tension that I'm living in as I continue to grow. Uh, if you want to go higher, you have to go lower. If you want to be bigger, you constantly have to be smaller. And that's the tension that I'm living in. I think also one thing that kind of stands out to me in that, in just in terms of, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, spending some time with, with some, you know, a group of Buddhists on the weekend and spending time with different people of different faiths. I think that one thing that's very, very transparent, very evident in uh, your approach is that um, to love without a hook or an agenda, because love with a hook or an agenda isn't love. It's, 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 it's not unconditional then. And so I think um, that's something that I find fascinating just in a sense that, I mean, we, we often get a lot of comments or emails or just I know you, you get a lot of questions, you know, okay, Leifel, have you seen any of these people that, you know, convert? You know, have you, have you got another notch in your belt or have you seen? And, and of course, that is, you know, a huge part of your history in terms of seeing a large number of people say yes to Jesus in some of these environments. But I think in, in the, the spheres that you're moving in now, and I think also from attraction point in culture and society and the time that we're living in is we more than ever, we need love without an agenda um, to be able to bring transformation. Uh, what would you say to that? I mean, there's no doubt about it that uh, because it is, and, and I'm not finished with that school yet. It, it continued to be there, sure. but but perfect love cast out fear. So it is his love. It is a love that comes from him. It is the way that he loves. And even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning, while you were in your mess, God loved you. So there is an element of the way that God loves. Mm-hmm. with a kind of love that only God gives. A love that is patient, a love that is kind, a love that does not envy. In 1 Corinthians 13, beautifully describe and kind of a definition for that love, but God is love. And next moment also, Jesus is love. And the whole motivation for this whole world is for God so loved the world. And the whole motivation of God is he did not want anyone to perish. He didn't want punishment. He is not a punitive God, but he's a restorative, loving father. If that is the worldview of him and it becomes my worldview, as soon as I have a hook love doesn't flow because what I do is in the next moment I can go and setting up certain meeting to meet certain people I can get favors I can that's called hook that's Mm. called another word for manipulation and it becomes another word for witchcraft and it is not the way heaven is operating it is not the way the father son and the holy spirit is operating so I will say that this is a school that I continue and in a moment this is very dangerous but I've had at least three times just on this last trip where just in a moment I got this favor on a, on, on a level that is so beyond anything you could think or imagine but in the next moment God just had to bring me right down to showing me how little I am without him and that's what brings get me back again and if, if I didn't have that, uh, as I'm saying, I, I'm, I'm sure that I would damage myself and other people very quickly. Yeah. So in, there is a, an elements where you just like, I went to the team and said, hey, look at this. And then the next moment, you don't even know how to talk. And you have pneumonia and you have, so if it is not just for God's grace, God's goodness, God's love, God's 
constantly receiving that from him mm. and living with that and awareness you're not going to be able to flow that to other people if you're not a recipient of that and i think humility is something that i'm praying for consistently and vulnerability in the middle of all of this mm. so it's not just my strength but it's sometimes my weakness that he's demonstrating his strength so mm. he actually liked me when i'm weak i don't like it myself <laughs> yeah i don't think any of us do uh, and i mean that's a that's a great uh point just in a sense of even coming home uh you know i think you have a message uh the battle you fight after the battle you've won and i think that's very much you know coming home to you know you've got a beautiful home a beautiful family uh you know we've got peace here in the office and we live in a beautiful part of the world but it's it's often when you step off that battlefield that you really start it's you discover those moments of weakness you're fatigued you know all of those different things but i mean what is that like for you in a sense i mean you've had this incredible experience you've been in places that no person has ever maybe had favor or different environments that are just really really difficult to even articulate here on this podcast but you're then coming home and what is that like for you? I mean, how do you even maintain tolerance for some of the intolerable things here that maybe are insignificant in comparison? I think in the earlier days, it's almost like you're losing sanity. Mm-hmm. At least I have language for it now that I can <laughs> even help the people that are listening. Yeah. I mean, I remember one of my first time I came home from Congo and the war zone in Congo and this horrific with mass deaths and uh, the most horrific things you could see or you're coming from refugee camps there in Sudan, Kenya border with a horrific and half of these children are dying in the front of me. It's these horrific scenes that is, or I've been in other places where they're shooting them with machine guns and mm. these these scenes. And then you're coming home, I would like five toys, so can I get this? I'm just using that as a... Sure. So you're coming into a world that, in, in a sense of... And, and I was about to lose my mind. So there are several things. But but I in this message that I, and I encourage everybody to get it, the battle you fight after the battle you won, there's four basic things that happened to me this week, uh, and it's happened every time. Fatigue is the first thing, because I've been on a battlefield. It's been so tense, and I'm saying battlefield, not necessary in regard to uh, we're fighting and war constantly, sure. but just meaning that night and day all my five senses is operating for me to do my assignment and my mission and you have these amazing amazing experience and encounters and you have to live with it and you have months of preparation beforehand and then when you are certainly from the mountain you're suddenly hitting that valley so fatigue is one of the first weapon of the enemy and then when you are tired then fear comes in and then after fear comes in now you feel like you have failed you feel just like a failure you've just come from these things but you forget about it's it, it's an attack it's, it's the way the enemy up and now you just changes that's the feelings you get and they forsaken i'm the one nobody understands me nobody understands what i'm going through right now nobody even if the people around you because they've not been around even the ones that was with you on your team they cannot people cannot relate to what you've just been through and then the isolation comes so the first thing you have to do is enter into the hard work of rest and that's very difficult just rest rest and receive and rest is your biggest weapon of warfare because the enemy is trying to wear you out when you are tired and then then he pushes the button of fear then failure then forsaken so rest and receive take the time so often what I do is like, you know, stopping by in Dubai or stopping by somewhere just to recharge my emotion or tank a little bit afterwards, make th- these adjustments. I think it's important to clarify here as well, you know, rest doesn't necessarily mean sitting on the sofa, just 
vegging out and doing nothing. It means doing whatever refills your tank. So obviously presence, time and time with the presence, time with the Lord, time in the word, all those things yeah. are very applicable. But, you know, there's some very practical things that you do that I would consider fall under the banner of rest. It is. And it definitely, even like this week, I mean, for the last eight days, I've been walking from six to 10 miles, running, walking, even something I don't normally want to do. But out in the nature, just being there, mm -hmm. just getting some of that, it's kind of a detoxification. Sure. Drinking water. There are certain things that I'm doing just in this whole season because we're going to go to Mozambique tomorrow. So I, all I'm saying is there is this battle you fight after the battle you won. And people are aware of that. And according to the size of that giant that you have. Mm -hmm. So even after David, after Goliath came down, yes, there was a song. And everybody wants to talk about that song. Oh, wow, Saul can do a thousand, David 10,000. And iTunes <laughs> is exploding and everybody wants the record. But that becomes the very thing that you maybe dreamed of now. Wow, the dream David got success. Well, Saul was not too excited about that. And in the next moment, instead of getting praise, wow, your album is better than mine, you get the opposite. So mm. this is a pattern that we see over and over again. And I have a couple of my friends that are famous. One of them is a rock star. And I was just thinking, but I, I know on my level what I'm experiencing just in the ministry world. But for this person, I mean, you can't go on, on an airplane. You can't be in a restaurant. You cannot be anywhere. Mm. And so the very thing that I have all these people would love to do what this friend is doing. But I've been with him in different parts of it. We couldn't go to the restaurant without having long line or the chefs. It didn't matter where we've been in the world, in the middle of Chile. There's this fan clubs showing up because yeah. of this rock star. Wow. I'm just using that in a sense of that. So people are dreaming of saying, oh, this is really what I want. I say, are you sure <laughs> this is really what you want? Yeah. So yeah. I'm saying there is a battle you fight after the battle you won. And that's where we need to steward better. And if we're going to continue to be in this in the long run, it is very important to love ourselves well in the middle of it bringing people around you of other people and this is even today i mean uh, it's not just today but through this week i've had several covenant friends and covenant relationship they don't want anything from me we're just sharing life together yeah. and then as we're sharing life together it's a flow together coming into an environment here where there's peaceful it's easier for me to operate in war but how do you steer peace how do you steward mm. stillness? How do you steward when nothing is happening? When you are so used to either prepare for a war or be in the middle of a war or mm. finish a war. Mm. Now it's learning. How do you steward a season of shalom when there's nothing there? There's no action. Mm. You're waking up in the morning and there's almost like this restlessness mm. and then learning. And that's part of the, uh, my journey in this season is learning to be much, much better of those miracle moments like I did yesterday. How can you stand and look at this lightning bug and be so overwhelmed by God? Looking at that branch on that tree, mm. suddenly there was four deers that came in front of me. There is that little squirrel. I can sit and describe for you two hours of encounters with God just going for a walk, tears mm. in my eyes and at the rain being overwhelmed by God in the stillness, mm. not having an iPhone on or any sound or nothing just alone with God walking in the woods for a couple of hours that was just yesterday being together with him for no agenda but something is taking place in you and to you and with you just based upon the one you are together with I just want to be a friend of God and I want to be his best friend of my papa and my father and that's the biggest desire I have in this season and I think that's very much connected to 
what we've been talking about as well. I, I know you're in the middle of the test of this, the middle of the school, but loving yourself on purpose, you know. I think Danny, Danny Silk obviously has loving on purpose, but I think, you know, we're turning that a little bit introverted and saying, hey, what does it look like to love yourself on purpose in this season? And I think that, that that's a big thing that I'm seeing adjustments even that you're having to make on a daily basis in that you are, you know, an ambassador of love. You do leak love and you do freely give love in terms of making people uh, aware and, and engage with the connection of the heart of the father but i think sometimes we often do that at the cost of or the expense of our own self and our own health um, what are some of the hard decisions that you're having to make at the moment in terms of saying no so you can say yes to yourself perhaps yeah i i realized because of course you give we talk about the extreme love that flows in an atmosphere that I'm in. So in the next moment, my biggest strength, and I think it is for almost everyone listening, being overextended becomes your biggest weakness. Sure. So you have strength in an area, but when that's being overextended. So what has a tendency, my love tank, I have 100% full speed on in regard to mm-hmm. loving and keeping my love on and making sure that I'm loving on purpose and that his love flows through me. But then if you do not take the time then to again recharge your tank, personally speaking, then when I'm coming to my marriage and then to my kids and then eventually pain seeks pleasure, you're going to find something to fill those voids in your area if you do not take care of them. So for me in this season, there's just, I have to detox myself personally. That's both spirit, soul and body. Mm -hmm. So I'm having a 40 days where I'm taking my own book, Giant Slayers. I'm following those 12 ground rules, but with one focus, and that is myself. How does it look like when Leif Hetland loves Leif the way that Papa God loves Leif? Mm. And then I'm taking chapter one in the book, Show Up. How do I do that? How did I do it this morning? Today is day eight out of 40 days. So I'm taking 40 days of loving Leif the way Papa God loves Leif. And that is for basic things to see me the way he sees me, Think about me the way he thinks about me. Feel the way he feels and say what he says. That is covenant. I said an agreement with my father because that's the truth and that truth sets you free. Mm. Practically speaking for me, I go for a walk every single day. I'm drinking over a gallon of water every day. I'm saying no to anything that is unhealthy, including sugar and a lot of other things. In this, this is a 40 days. I'm having to take with me some different exercise tools to do some core. So when we're gonna sit on long airplanes is better. So there's all these physical things. It is spiritual things that I'm doing on a daily basis, like in my car. I only limit myself to do listen to news just to keep up what's going on for 15 minutes a day. The rest of it, listen to good news and things that feeds my spirit. So spirit and my soul and my body, I am filling up my tank to the fullness so that I can as we are now leaving for Mozambique tomorrow, continue to live from fullness instead of measure. Mm. That's the desire of my heart. I don't want to wait till my tank is on the bottom and then fill it up to a quarter of a tank. That's often how my life is. I want to fill up my tank to full tank, burn a quarter of a tank, and then just go and fill it up again before we get to the Mm. point and even have some warning mechanism, spirit, soul, and body. Let it living from fullness and an overflow of fullness instead of measure. That's the lifestyle that I want to live. So good. I think it's really important, you know, I mean, we obviously we started off talking about some pretty big ideas, you know, worldview and changing nations and shifting atmospheres and things like that. But if you don't take care of yourself at home, if you don't take care of 
your own love tank, energy tank, all of those different parameters of life. If you're not healthy, you know, I think Randy says, you know, healthy people heal people and hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. Bill probably says the same kind of thing and there's lots of different ways of expressing that. But if, if you're not the healthiest life, then you can't project the healthiest representation of life and therefore the representation of the father and um and and i think that that is 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 really really important um one of the things i'd love to just kind of finish off talking about uh you know we you've you've spent this 20 30 years in this world you know and stewarding uh what the lord has placed in front of you making lots of mistakes learning lots of valuable lessons trialing different things building relationships and seeing many breakthroughs and, and countless setbacks as well. Um, what are you focusing on? What, 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 are you, what are you dreaming in this season in terms of legacy? Because I think, you know, you're, you just turned 51 in January, you know, and you, I, I, the way I see it, you're really in a building season. You know, we're, we're building a legacy that will far outlive you, um, far outlive me, hopefully. And, and I think that um, I, I'm really keen to hear what, what is burning on your heart in, in regards to a legacy. Yeah, there's several things that I'm very excited about. There's a few things that I'm called to do that only I can do, that I cannot hire, train, or equip anybody else to do. And I'm very, very much focused of being able to make sure that I'm going to accomplish those things. The rest of my life, and I say the rest of my life had a double for my trouble. The rest is out of rest and the rest, the future, the rest. The rest of my life would be focusing on raising up this next generation, including in my natural family first, but also even the grandkids I do not have today. Mm -hmm. It's to be able to invest in them. First of all, with a clear foundation, I want every single one to find their identity because there's an identity theft going on in the kingdom of God. I want every person to know who they are and whose they are and to see themselves the way that God sees. Second of all, when they know that they are a beloved son and daughter of a good good father I want him to have intimacy to be able to see his face to hear his voice to feel his love to experiencing his presence and to abiding in his pleasure to be able to have such an intimacy with God and intimacy with one another flowing from that identity and then the third pillar from this is connected to inheritance there's this heaven full of resources available for a family that know who they are and whose they are but also that are living in the father's home because they have intimacy that can receive their inheritance and how to steward inheritance raise up sons and daughters they can take that inheritance and not spend it but invest it into the next generation so that we can transform and disciple nation and the fourth pillar as a foundation what i want to leave behind is destiny i want every single person to be able to know why they are here on earth to wake up in the morning with purpose and with passion to see among 7.5 billion people that there's only one person like you and knowing your destiny and your calling and if you are a school teacher you're going to be the best school teacher in the world and you will wake up from a place of identity intimacy and inheritance you will bring the very presence of heaven into that classroom and you will see the opportunity if you are a nurse or you're a musician or if you are in a movie i want everybody to bring glory to god in the way they're living out their destiny that's the foundation wow and i want to raise up a whole new generation and the best way i feel i can do that is eventually also now i need some help and the best helping tool i have is internet and i have all these people coming to me now and saying okay we want you all over the world to do this now there's practical tools and technology that is available where we have an opportunity to create a platform online 
And the first thing I want to do is to take a whole year to get people rooted and grounded in love to find their identity, intimacy, inheritance, and destiny. And there will be a reigning in life academy where I'm able to say, I'm going to bring the world to all of my life lessons. Let's get that foundation. When we have that foundation, let's take it to the next level. And then we're going to help people to learn how to reign in life so that at the next generation they can look at a hopeful world. And Jesus is going to come here for an incredible world where the kingdom of the Lord has become the kingdom of this world. And the glory of God will hover the whole earth as water cover the sea. That's the promise that I am seeing a glorious, glorious future. So I'm so excited about the next generation that God is raising up and the ones that he has given us. That's what I'm living for. That's what I'm dying for. And on my gravestone, uh, Leif was a son that raised up sons. And out of that, I do believe that the next generation is going to be able to see a world that we have only dreamed of. Wow, that's amazing. I'm so excited. What's the, what's the, what's the timeline looking like in terms of that school and... and, and releasing that well already by january we should have uh, 48 lessons ready that means that you have an opportunity to sign up for a reigning in life academy and by january you can start your journey and my encouragement is to start into 12 lessons on identity and then when you you really know who you are and whose you are and you see you the way that god sees you then the next moment you're going to get such an intimacy with him and then from that place you're going to see everything that is available wow because he will get to you as much as he can get through you and then find your place as god's bigger picture in this world and wow it's going to be exciting to see thousands and thousands of people throughout the world and then from there january i believe a year later we could start in the second year and for me within three years we have the future daniels joseph's esther's nehemiah's we have the history makers and the world changers that god is going to raise so and that is my dream to be able even to be home and to be able to hear the stories of all of those different people that god is raising up for such a time as this that is a rising and shining for their light has come wow well, Leif, it's 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 so exciting. Uh, I, I'm I'm honoured and and feel privileged to be able to part, be part of the journey, and and uh, I'm really excited to see to see that come alive. Uh, I would encourage those of you who are listening. Uh, there's there's some really exciting things we're working on. Uh, we're not going to share all of the details today, uh, mainly to keep you in suspense. Uh, but we have some very exciting things that are coming up in the pipeline. If you're not already connected with us, I would really encourage you to be following Leif on, on social media, at uh, Leif Hetland on uh, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. And um, also jump on our website as well. Yeah, the um, Kingdom Family Gathering, something unique is about to happen there. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, on uh, once a year we're gathering our family. We're done twice in Atlanta. And we are going to have some amazing people. They are carrying fresh oil, fresh fire, and a brand new wine in this season that people can taste from. But people from Iran are going to come together for this kingdom family gathering where we're going to experience an open heaven, but also connected to family where people is going to have some very unique encounters. The stories from the last two is amazing. But August 24th to 26th, Different key people are coming in uh, from around the world as well as some of the best speakers and worship leaders. They're going to come and serve some of the best food that heaven can prepare for us. And the ones that is hungry is going to come to eat and the ones that is thirsty is going to come to drink. So Kingdom Family Gathering, 
sign up now make sure while there is still room i remember the first one and people say why didn't i do you have one more seat for me but it was full and i do believe it's going to fill up very quickly when people know and are aware what god is doing that's awesome yeah we're, we're excited it's going to be a great great gathering great time together and uh, you can find out more information about uh, lots of the things we were talking about today on our website globalmissionawareness.com and uh, all the details there to register for kingdom family gathering are there um, I'd really encourage you to sign up to the newsletter as well. Uh, sign up to our mailing list because uh, there are some uh, very exciting things we're going to be announcing in the next couple of weeks. And, and, and those who have signed up to our newsletter are going to hear about them first. So, uh, yeah, bless you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing your heart, life. It's great to hear uh, what is burning in you in this season. And uh, until next time, uh, we look forward to being with you.